everybody and welcome to the React Native show. Today, our topic is React Native Brownfield and everything related to it. Uh, just before we start, uh, if you want to stay up to date on everything as far as React Native goes, as well as be notified every time we publish a new release of this podcast, please make sure to follow us on our Twitter, uh, Facebook, and other social media accounts. Everything is in the link of the podcast. And that way, you will be always on the bleeding edge of everything React Native. So with that in mind, I guess we can start with our podcast today. As I said, the topic is React Native Brownfield. And today with me, there is a very special guest, Mike Hujak, that works with me at Callstack. Uh, hello, Mike. It's nice to have you today. Hi, Mike. It's good to see you. Um... Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, maybe let me start from a quick introduction of myself. Uh, I'm, I'm Michal, and I've been working as a head of delivery at Callstack. And except for manager stuff, I do some React Native and Native Mobile development. And I'm especially passionate about combining those two words um, in a way that we call a brownfield development. And I guess this is what I'm why I'm here today. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, uh, that is the primary reason, but also it's good to see you, as you said, uh, because in this pandemic world, uh, you know, we are working remotely all the time. And even though uh, the ones that are watching us can't tell it, uh, Mike actually is sitting in the next room. So uh, at least we had this opportunity to pass uh, by ourselves uh, on the, you know, outside of these rooms. Um, anyway, I'm glad that you mentioned uh, Brownfield development or combining these two worlds together, since, as you said, this is what we are going to be talking about today. Uh, it's, you know, definitely a really popular keyword and a really popular term in React Native itself. Um, and now the big question is, what does it actually mean in practice, uh, this Brownfield development? Um, that's a very good question, I would say. Uh, so I, I think it has its roots in civil engineering, and um, Brownfield uh, is Brownfield term in, in, in this domain is characterized uh, by working on a land that's already developed or under development, uh, and it means that any new work has to consider structures that are already in place. Um, and if we take this to software development, we can think of creating something on top of existing software. Um, it offers a place to start with predetermined direction and allows us to reuse existing code and, and features. And uh, this implies the need to understand existing systems uh, and environment on which um, that the, the application needs to be built. Um, yeah, and of course, presence of existing legacy code might impact final costs. Since dealing with it uh, naturally might slow down whole development process, as you might need to refactor a portion of an existing app. Uh, and uh, I think also the entry barrier is bigger than it would be if you would start from scratch. Uh, and in, in, in our nomenclature, uh, brownfield applications in, in, in React Native, obviously, uh, are the ones that are built on top of existing native applications. And as React Native is relatively new technology, and 
and and and has and many applications were built either before it was published or before it was mature enough. And um, now I feel like ev like everything's changed in this uh, uh, area. And React Native is one of the best, if not the best, choice for uh, cross-platform development, um, especially in, in in such environments, so sort of brownfield environment. Yeah, that that definitely makes sense. To be honest, I didn't know that uh, you know uh, brownfield had its roots in the uh, civil engineering. That's uh, something very interesting to learn about. Now, uh, you know, I, I guess if we will continue this um, analogy, um, that there is also a different term, um, which is called greenfield development that is also used in that area. And, and, and now, I guess before we go into the benefits and, and problems and challenges with brownfield development in React Native, how about we just stop for a second and uh, you know, explore w what greenfield development means, just so that everybody is on the same page. Let's say. Sure, sure. Uh, so greenfield term describes um, a project that uh, will be built on a green land. Uh, so it means that there is no existing buildings, no infrastructure, or no, nor anything that could impact the work. Uh, so. Taking these to software development, um, we can think of a greenfield application as something uh, that we built from the scratch uh, in a fresh environment. And uh, this gives us design flexibility uh, and we can set everything uh, the way, way we want. And we have an opportunity to choose the most convenient tech stack. Uh, so basically, there are no dependencies on existing structure uh, or, or, or anything that's already uh, created. And of course, it's, it's a double-edged sword, I would say. Uh, as system has to be built from the scratch, uh, it can be quite time-consuming. Uh, also, versatility of development options uh, might impact uh, the a lack of clear understanding on what approach to take, which direction to follow. Uh, so in Brownfield, we, we, we have this predefined direction and uh, in, in Greenfield, we do not, uh, which could be good, but could be bad on the other hand. Uh, so in, in, in React Native uh, context, we can think of a Greenfield uh, application as a app that uh, is, as I said, built from the scratch. So you can either choose a React Native CLI or Expo, initialize your project, uh, choose the tech stack you want, choose the tools you'd like to uh, work with, uh, and start whole development process. Okay, okay, cool. So that, so, so that makes, um, that makes, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, it looks like, Greenfield development is essentially what, what what most of us are doing on a daily basis. Uh, either we use React Native CLI to init a new project, or we use Expo. Uh, that is a Greenfield uh, project because there is nothing that is you know sort of implying these uh, requirements, um, which is present in, in the brownfield otherwise. And, and and this leads me to the other question, uh, which is you know like what a brownfield project would look like. Again, uh, 
to, to get Greenfield project, we would use the CLI and, and just do React Native in it, and that's easy. Uh, like, if I were to do Brownfield development, what, what, what project do I need to have and how do I start it? Mm -hmm. uh, yes, so as far as uh, prerequisites, uh, I feel like I think you need to have a app that you would like to extend with uh, additional piece. So something that's already in place and we would like to build on top of that. Uh, so that's only requirement, I'd say. Uh, and then you can simply uh, start, uh, for example, by uh, following the official React Native documentation. Uh, the, the, there's uh, a whole section uh, describing the integration process. I think it's called like integrating with existing apps. Uh, and uh, yeah, documentation itself is, is great and very well described. Uh, but the process itself is not that easy. Um, also, I think uh, like the, the, there is a lot of different materials over the internet that you could follow. Um, for example, I think on our blog, we have some, uh, some nice uh, guide on how to start with Brownfield development. And uh, basically we walk you through the process step by step. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But it, it wouldn't it, it would have been nice uh, if it wasn't on our blog, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, but, yeah. Uh, sorry, sorry for this little call stack marketing, you know. <laughs> this is this is company podcast, so we had to do it, you know. <laughs> uh, yeah, so basically if you have an existing app, uh, you can start to benefit from cross-platform approach uh, right away. Uh, without rewriting a whole application. And this is what we call gradual adoption. Um, you can simply add a feature on top of existing code base, uh, and this feature can be uh, written in, in React Native, even if you have uh, native apps. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it has a heavy impact on development costs. And for me, it's one of the biggest advantages of this approach. Uh, since it allows you to reduce the development cost by a vast number, uh, as you have only one team responsible for a feature development uh, that works both on Android and iOS. Uh, but besides that, uh, I think not only costs play an important role in, in, in this approach, uh, a fact that you don't need to get rid of existing solution nor stop its development in order to migrate uh, to, uh, to, to a new technology or basically start this migration process. Uh, it, it implies that your project can continue generating revenue uh, and ship new features during the migration process, which I find very uh, nice and, and beneficial. Yeah, and, and that is that is really exciting, as you said, because uh, you don't have to stop everything. You don't have to pull off the plug and, and start working on it. You can do this gradual adaption, which is really nice. And uh, and, and as I said, it's, it sounds very exciting, yet you know challenging at the same time. Uh, it, it seems that you not only have to be really good in React Native, because this is a definitely a challenging and, and more of a advanced work, but also you have to 
have a relatively good knowledge of, of, of the native iOS and Android development, right? So like, like I guess, you know, the question I have is, is like, what kind of challenges would you say uh, are, are there uh, for the developers from your own experience? Um, yeah, so that's definitely true. And I think the biggest challenge is an entry barrier for such projects. Um, and in order to accurately understand what's going on uh, and make sure that everything's integrated properly, uh, you have to not only know the JavaScript side uh, and, and React Native internals, uh, but also you need to have a very good understanding of uh, Re React Native architecture, underlying internals, and the native side. Uh, so, uh, yeah, like this kind of knowledge is, is, is pretty wide, but it's more than welcome in uh, such projects. Yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess, I mean, I can only speak from my own experience, but it seems that it is not that easy to, to find or either get yourself both React Native and Native knowledge. It's like yeah. very, very time consuming to get proficient with both. And usually the ones that start React Native development do it because they, they don't really wanna learn both Android and iOS. They just prefer to have a unified uh, framework. Now, I guess we let already let know. Yeah. Give you an example uh, because uh, I uh, like I, I've done several brownfield integrations in the past, and starting from some simple uh, integrations where we shipped uh, new features to existing native apps to more advanced ones. And uh, if I if, if I think of challenging projects that come to my mind, that comes to my mind, uh, is is the most recent one that I've worked on. And we'd been developing a React Native app, and it turned out that some native teams within the same organization uh, would like to integrate some of our features directly to the app. And um, given this requirement, uh, we've torn the app to separate modules and published them as NPM packages. Uh, and then on native projects, we proceed with regular brownfield integration. So we integrate React Native uh, to, 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 to their uh, repos, to, to their apps, installed those, those modules from NPM. And as they were multiple modules, we wanted to optimize its usage. Uh, so if one module uh, instantiated a React Native bridge uh, and loaded JavaScript and all of the assets, we wanted to reuse this instance to optimize load time. Uh, and uh, besides that, we had some uh, challenges with uh, maintaining two separate navigation stacks, native and JavaScript, and we had to combine it in a way that, uh, it, that, that it would be unnoticeable for end users. Uh, so it's, it wasn't very obvious and common use case, but it demonstrates well the need of understanding, uh, as I said, React Native, its internals, architecture, native build systems, native UI development, and finally, native languages. That, that, that sounds like a lot of, you know, like different things that you need to know and that can possibly go wrong. Um, so, so, you know, um, that, that's really impressive. And, and again, it, you know, I was going to say that these challenges are nothing new for you, but you kind of already answered that and proved that uh, to be a fact. 
since you've worked in so many brownfield projects uh, so far, you kind of seen it all, you know, like all these things. Now, since since we are here to talk about your library called React Native Brownfield, uh, I just wanted to ask if you know that's how the idea for it came to your mind. Uh, yeah, actually, uh, that was uh, w uh, one thing that came to my mind that uh, the whole process is uh, quite repetitive uh, and that we could extract some uh, so, so, so some pieces of, of this code to a open source library and we could uh, publish that in order to facilitate it for future. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. So, so what, what React Native Brownfield can do for me? Uh, will it save me from you know writing native code entirely? <laughs> yes, yes, but also native developers from writing JavaScript. Uh, <laughs> so let me uh, follow up to uh, the, the the same story that I've uh, told you before. So uh, it th this integration uh, worked out very well from perspective of React Native developers, uh, but we missed a, one very important thing, and uh, the fact that we are not alone in this project and this setup uh, impacts the daily job of, uh, daily job of native teams. Uh, and we've noticed that uh, it decreased productivity of native teams as they had to deal with new tools like Node.js, like Yarn, Metro Bundler. Uh, they, they observed changes within uh, their own repository that they did not fully understand. Uh, and besides that, we've increased uh, build time for an application uh, because as we had to build all the stuff related to, uh, to React Native, uh, each time they, they, they run the app, which was very important for them. And hearing all this feedback made us realize uh, that there is a lot of improve in a way that we collaborate with native teams. Uh, so on the one hand, we introduced some features to their app, which bring a lot of business benefits uh, as the time needed to develop those functionalities natively on two different separate code bases uh, would be like 10, 10 maybe 12 uh, times higher uh, than, than in, in this setup. Uh, and uh, on the other hand, producti productivity of these teams fell, which could have an enormous impact in the long run. So, so we start to think how to approach these challenges, and we came up with a solution to create an engine to package whole React Native environment, JS bundle, all the assets, native bindings, and everything to a single single file. Uh, so that means end users uh, had to deal with a dot framework or an AR file, uh, depending on a platform uh, that they could easily integrate to, to, to their app. Uh, and they were able to consume exposed native classes as they, as, as they would consume any other native UI library. Uh, so I, I can tell you that the results were amazing. Uh, and uh, after creating a simple CLI, uh, an engine in question, uh, we've been able to plug it into the release process 
And each time we published a release, a corresponding version of the modules was published to internal repositories. And native teams uh, have been able to integrate it uh, as they would integrate any other native library. So they don't have to deal with the React Native environment. Uh, their build time was uh, decreased to a number similar to what they had before uh, starting the whole initiative. And every, everybody was fully owning their, uh, their rep repositories and understanding their code base, uh, which turned out to be uh, a, a, a very, very uh, nice thing and cooperation was very smooth and fruitful. Yeah, and, and that is, you know, uh, that, that is so amazing. I guess uh, you, you may have not realized this, but you may have just finished the, uh, the battle between native and JavaScript developers in so many companies right now as we speak uh, that are trying to combine these two technologies together for the reasons uh, that you said before. And, 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 and being in a few brownfield projects myself before, I can definitely relate to the fact that dealing with something that I don't fully understand, uh, let's say seeing changes uh, happening on the native side that I haven't authored and I haven't reviewed, would not really make me confident about what I'm building. So definitely a great, uh, great use case for it. So. It looks like uh, the just to sum it up. It looks like the the big idea, the the high level concept, is that the React Native code is packaged in a way that native developers will not be able to tell whether it's React Native or full native code inside, which is great. Yes. yes. And uh, yeah, and, and 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 you know, my question is, was inside such a package on on both iOS and Android? Like, how does this? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so. Work? Basically, the package is encapsulated into one file. So on iOS, it's a .framework file, or to be more specific, .xc framework, as we need to build separately for simulator and device and package it into one universal framework. And on Android, it's just a fat AR file. So such file contains all React Native internal code uh, required to run this module. Uh, a JavaScript bundle that includes all of our components and business logic. And uh, then we have third-party native modules and all required uh, resources and assets needed to display the user interface. And besides that, we uh, have native bindings that are exposed to end users. So basically, uh, speaking from React Native Brownfield perspective, uh, initially, we came up with an idea of a few helpers that could facilitate the most common uh, way of integration, uh, React Native to existing apps. Uh, so as I've mentioned uh, before, we started from focusing on uh, people that integrate the whole React Native environment to their apps as this was something that we uh, have done at this uh, at, at that time, and uh, yeah, that was repetitive, uh, and uh, we we wanted to uh, let's say not to repeat ourselves later in the future. But then we come up with uh, this new idea of of how to uh, set it up and. Uh, not only to focus on making React Native developers' life easier, but also to facilitate this setup for native teams. 
Uh, and uh, yes, I, I've worked uh, for a while in, in such teams and now I feel that uh, I know what's important uh, for them. Yeah. Uh, hence the new setup and functionality that uh, we just spoken about. Yeah, so so uh, so we'll get onto that later as well because I really want to ask you about the features and, and what's coming up. Sure. Uh, just I, I still got a few questions uh, to 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 kind of dig deeper into how it all works, and I guess everybody listening is so excited uh, right now to, to learn about that as well. So you know, the first question would be like, what happens with React Native and and all its dependencies? You mentioned that. Uh, you know that there is one file, and 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 the, the native developers can just use it, and that there is no overhead as far as the build time. So, um, does the native client um, that is consuming such a package need to perform any additional actions, uh, or or just or just drag and drop it or something? And React Native is already there. Like, uh, how's that uh, one happening? Yes, so in most cases, you can simply install this artifact with your preferred native package manager. And uh, I've tested that with CocoaPods and Maven, and it works very well. Uh, however, it should work with any other package managers as well, as it doesn't differ from other native libraries that uh, mobile teams uh, use on a daily basis. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. Besides that, uh, I think um, like you do not need to do any additional setup. Maybe uh, if, if, if you have some uh, dependencies within uh, your project and within the package that uh, potentially could collide, then uh, some, some exclusions uh, could be needed. But I think in 95% of projects, it, it shouldn't be a case. Okay, cool. So that that's really amazing. That's like ble bleeding, uh, not bleeding, but uh, I, I forgot the word. But it's uh, it's it's fast. Um, whatever. There was a word starting with B for something fast, like ble not blazing. I, I was I was going to say it, but I I'm not sure if that's actually a word. So uh, those okay. that are native English speakers listening to us right now, please forgive us uh, these kind of mistakes. Um, okay, so uh, so so we know how it is packaged, and and that is all amazing. So um, um, now I do have a like very little question um, about the, the components itself. Um, like say I have a um, a screen um, in React Native uh, that I want to put inside that native application. Uh, so the native developer that would install this framework or APK on Android would it get a um, API to reference this screen uh, so that it can push it. Or how, like, how do the native developer could actually get uh, the contents of the package? Yes, so I've mentioned native bindings that are uh, a part of, of uh, this artifact. Uh, so basically, we expose some view controllers, fragments, could be even instance of UI view or, or Android view. Uh, that basically renders React Native screen within its bounds. So uh, yes, they can con they can use same building blocks that they uh, use on non daily basis, uh, which I think is very convenient. 
yeah that that makes uh, that makes lots of sense so this is all very nicely aligned with your idea which you said before that thanks to react native brownfield you can essentially uh, send your react native code to the native developers and they can just use it as if you send them native stuff so that is that is amazing so now jumping to the other side uh to the javascript developers now um let's say i'm working on that screen uh, that i already used as an example for the previous question mm -hmm. and i'm packaging that for uh with the with the react native brownfield library uh so when it's done i send it uh, to the development team right so so what, what would be the workflow here uh, across both teams? You you mentioned Kakapods, mm -hmm. Maven. So that's how I should think about setting this all up? Um, it, it, it's up to you, I would say. So you can okay. send it any way you want. Uh, so in my opinion, the best solution would be to plug it into your continuous delivery process. Uh, and with React Native Brownfield, uh, we'll provide you with a command line interface that lets you nice. build an artifact with one comment, and you can simply run that comment on CI, uh, on, on some release branch, for example, and publish an output to the most convenient place. And it could be either a GitHub release app, CocoaPods repository, Maven repository, or, or Jitpack. Uh, cool. So then native teams should be able to download a specific version of the uh, of this library with their favorite package manager. Uh, and the best thing is that there are no restrictions in that area. So you can design this process any way you want and choose the most convenient approach for your team. Yeah, I was going to say that this is really great because uh, I can see you know this library can be used in many different Brownfield setups and everybody can use it the way they want. Uh, whether it's uh, Maven, Kakapods, or any convenient CI/CD setup with Package Manager, or simply drag and dropping this to your Documents folder, which, by the way, I'm not sure if it's the case today, but it used to be the installation guide for Facebook SDK. So it's definitely one of the uh, maybe not recommended patterns, but definitely it is something that native developers do from time to time. So npm is not everywhere yet, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, so the last question regarding the workflow uh, before we go to to to, to the project uh, status and what's coming up, um, you know, since like I'm working on that screen again, I'll be using this screen. Um, um, usually, in a greenfield project, I have my React Native Init app. I work on a screen. I see this screen immediately. It refreshes, and you know, I can see the progress uh, real time. Now with the Brownfield, uh, React Native Brownfield library, uh, I'm not building the app, I'm building the framework. Uh, so uh, the question is, how do I see my changes? How do I preview the changes before I actually execute this uh, CLI command that you mentioned? Uh, sure. Uh, so our idea is that React Native Brownfield will provide you with a playground project. Uh, and you can run it as you would run a regular React Native application and work on your JavaScript code there. Uh, so I believe it's an optimal approach for this kind of development, as you can work independently from the native teams. Uh, however, in a rare, I would say, case, 
where you would like to test out your module in the destination native app, and you would like to avoid rebuilding the artifact each time you do uh, a, a change, uh, we'll provide you with an option to build a debug version of the artifact does, that does not contain JS bundle and assets, but rather fetches it from Packager. So you simply start it in uh, your project, Packager, you start it in your project, and then if you uh, integrated a debug version of the artifact, you can uh, preview the changes live in the destination app. Oh, awesome. So if I'm, if I'm brave enough to go, the, go to the native application, open it up, uh, I can integrate the debug version of the framework and essentially, at that point, it would look like building a traditional brownfield uh, project because I would see the changes. I would have Metro running somewhere from a different project, of course, but this would be sort of a uh, nice way to iterate on that. Yes. Um, However, as I said, I feel like working independently is the most uh, optimal setup here. So uh, I believe in most cases you should be able just to rely on a playground app that we provide. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say that this sounds like uh, this is very similar to, for example, Aaron Tester, which is uh, you know the playground app for built-in React Native components. So uh, I'm, I'm definitely on board with that approach. It's it's a uh, it's a good way to test it. Uh, okay, so so I guess you know everybody's uh, having this question right now. What's the current status, and when can I use this amazing tool? Uh, uh, so the library is currently under development. And there's a legacy version available on GitHub, but it does not contain the features described in question. Uh, but please stay tuned uh, as we are quite advanced in the development process. And given our experience uh, with this setup in commercial projects, I can say that uh, the first release with hmm. the complete list of features is going to be released soon. Nice. Nice, nice, nice. That's that that's that's really great stuff. And uh, you know, working with Mike Kolstag, I can uh, sort of uh, assure you that this is not a uh, uh, pre-made answer. This is actually, I mean, I, I don't know the status of the project. Otherwise, I wouldn't ask this question. That would be stupid. But um, I was just I, I was just asking about the details. I know they are working on it, but I'm not sure about the status. Hence uh, the question. Um, all right. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, currently on GitHub, there is a uh, legacy version of React Native Brownfield that doesn't have the features we are discussing. So in case you go to GitHub, pay attention to what you are interacting with, because the current version is slightly different. You can still start the repo just so that you see, and, and watch it, of course, so you see when the guys are done with it. Uh, anyway. Um, the V1 is there, the legacy one. You are working on V2 right now, which is going to be all everything amazing that we are talking right now. Uh, and and uh, it is essentially just extracting the code from the projects uh, that you've done for your for, for the clients and making that open sourced. So it seems to me that it's already sort of production ready. Uh, now, the big question is, um, you know, is there anything uh, coming up to your mind um, as far as the features in the future? I mean, I'm pretty sure that you're not going to stop right where you are right now, because uh, since this is all based on your challenges and brownfield projects, 
maybe you had some other things that you'd like to solve and, and figure with the React Native Graphic Library. So tell us uh, a bit more about future plans. What can we expect when the V2 is released? Uh, sure. So just to clarify, we aren't exactly extracting the uh, code that we have uh, built for one of our commercial projects, as the setup here uh, was a bit different. Although uh, we've taken all of our expertise and put it uh, into this library, which conceptually uh, is, is, is based on uh, the same uh, foundation, let's say. And speaking of features, I think I can give you a sneak peek. Uh, so the first major know. feature uh, is a project generator uh, that I, I've mentioned before. So it will generate new project that could be easily packaged to a single file. And uh, besides that functionality, the project uh, will contain a playground, uh, which you can use to develop React Native code. Um, and what's more in terms of features, uh, ah, uh, we would like to create a, a, a code gen uh, that translates TypeScript or flow types to native languages. Uh, so this will ensure the type safety between JavaScript and native layers. Mm, and yeah, uh, we are still debating on how to approach the integration with uh, existing React Native projects. Uh, so generally, we would like to, it to be universal, and uh, we would like it to uh, be, be, be used in a way that you could just uh, plug it uh, into existing React Native app and use it as separate module. Um, yeah. and. Besides that, I think uh, we uh, we have some more. Yeah, uh, we we would like to integrate over the air updates as well. Uh, so uh, this should facilitate, um, let's say, updating uh, updating new features, newly developed uh, code, uh, without going through a whole release process. Uh, and besides that, uh, we want to create uh, a dedicated React navigation navigator. Uh, so the integration here in terms of navigation will be smooth and easy. Cool. So, you know, like after one planned feature, I was already sold and, and you gave me four of them if I counted right. So that's really amazing. I'm, I'm really, you know, excited and looking forward to see them because, you know, Looks like you are working on nailing out the integration pieces with the project generator and and the types are amazing feature as well, especially to me because you know many times uh, when we exposed something between JS and React Native, uh, I mean JS and Native, there was always this type mismatch issue that somebody you know used an NS dictionary on iOS which didn't have types and and it was not matching the types on the JavaScript side. This is actually one of the reasons why CodeGen and React Native actually is happening. And so, you know, this is really exciting because then you will have type safety between your React Native components and screens and the native ones. So super amazing. You know, I really wish you luck with this and I can't wait for the release. And, uh, you know, with, with this in mind, I wanted to say that, you know, it's been a really great time today with you having this conversation about native development. 
And, uh, you know, it's funny that we, we are like, this is a React Native podcast, so we should be talking about JavaScript all the time, one would say. And it's yet another episode around native technologies. So I think this kind of proves the point from the beginning of our conversations that these two worlds are very close to each other. And, uh, you know, if you are doing React Native at the end of the day, you might need to do a bit of native unless there is somebody like you and your team that provides a nice abstraction. So um, thank you for joining the podcast. Again, I wish you best of luck with your development. And uh, now you can tell me, how did you enjoy it? And um, yeah, basically it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, thank you, Mike. So it it was a pleasure talking to you. Uh, And for all the people interested in React Native Brownfield, uh, please stay tuned for upcoming updates. And make sure to check out our GitHub, uh, our blog, and uh, our social media. Yeah. And again, uh, just actually, fun fact that I just realized, Mike, uh, this is one of these um, rare occasions when we get to speak to each other in English, right? So, uh, <laughs> so it's, it's quite, it's quite, it's quite a uh, you know interesting observation. Anyway. Um, Thank you, Mike, again for joining. Uh, thank you, everybody, for you know listening to us, watching us, or reading us. Uh, whatever is the way you are interacting with us, because we are everywhere. And if there is any platform that we are not there yet and you'd like us to be there, let us know. So thank you again for joining. Uh, make sure to subscribe to our social media account on Twitter, Facebook. Go check out the React Native Browfield library on GitHub. And most importantly, stay tuned. Uh, for the next episode of React Native Show, which is going to reveal some interesting features. It's going to be yet another library, but this time for building really, really complex React Native apps. So it's going to be amazing. Stay tuned. Thank you. See ya.